Good morning. Can you all hear me? Does it sound like my microphone is working pretty well? Okay. We were not sure if the, the microphone was going to work today, so good. Welcome to Northminster Church this morning. We are so glad that you were here, whether you were joining us in person or online. We are honored by your presence. Several announcements for you this morning as we gather together. Uh, the first is to say a special welcome to any of you who are visiting with us. We are particularly honored by your presence today and so glad that you are here. And for all of you, if you would take the worship registry on the end of your pew, excuse me, the end of your aisle and pass that down, uh, fill that out with your name, just so we know who's here with us today, we would appreciate it. Uh, several other things I want to make you aware of, you will see on the insert to your order of worship, which I do encourage you to take home so you have an up-to-date calendar. Uh, the book club meets this coming Tuesday at the home of Lisa and Pearson Cross. And rather than uh, listing that, so that address so it's on the internet, we'll just send it out from the church office uh, so that you have that information if you would like to come and join us. Next Sunday, if you can believe it, is Palm Sunday. And after worship, we will have a children and families picnic and Easter egg hunt, which I've been told is a lot of fun. So do please make plans to be here for that. April 3rd through 7th are our Holy Week devotionals hosted by the Hospitality Commission. Uh, we are meeting at noon. There will be a meal provided, so if you can make it, do please plan to come for that. Uh, April 6th is our Monday-Thursday service at 6 p.m. April 7th is our Good Friday service, also at 6 p.m. And then April 9th is our Easter Sunday service. So, lots of things coming up. In, in the next few weeks that I hope you will be here to take a part of with us. Uh, I'm now going to have DH come and introduce our special musician who was with us this morning. I uh, was going to have Jillian give this announcement, but uh, we were like ships passing in the night. <laughs> <laughs> and she did not get a chance to meet Eilis. But we'd like to welcome Eilis Mears uh, to our service today. Uh, she was not listed in the order of service because it was a delightful surprise when I had lunch with her uh, Friday or Saturday, it was Friday, and she, uh, I asked her if she would play in the service, and she said yes. So uh, she is a past national champion for uh, the instrument called the hammered dulcimer, and as you probably are aware of it, by virtue of the fact that you may have never heard one before, it's not a commonly played instrument, and you can tell why it's so complicated uh, and uh, she uh, played that beautifully and we really thank her. She will, for those of you that missed that, she will be playing again in the service. Alice is a former resident of Monroe, a very good friend of mine for years and years. <laughs> uh, I was uh, happy to be present at the birth of one of her sons uh, in my professional capacity. Um, so, uh, welcome, Alice, when you get a chance. Uh, this is a rare opportunity. Thank you so much for being here. All right, one last quick announcement. It's on, working? Good. Uh, kids, when you come down for the children's message, we're going to use those chairs over there. So, come down and sit in front of those chairs, because I have a special treat for you today, okay? Don't sit in the chairs. Sit around the chairs, all right? And go ahead and come up during our first hymn. And now if you would, let's take a deep breath together. We don't do this often enough during the week, at least I don't. 
stop to breathe. Deep breathing, intentional breathing, um, is, as far as I understand it, medically proven to help with anxiety, uh, which is something I live with every day. So it stands to reason it would be helpful in focus, helpful in calming our minds, quieting our hearts, and allowing us to take this time to be present with each other, with God, and in this special time and special place that we get to share. So take a deep breath, close your eyes if that's helpful. Allow that breath to not only fill your lungs, but to fill your whole body all the way down to your toes. As you breathe out, breathe out your to-do list, breathe out the tasks that aren't done, breathe out the laundry that is never-ending. As you breathe in, breathe in the joy of being in this good, safe, loving space. Breathe in the constant knowledge that God loves you just as you are. And then if you would, join me in our call to worship. We are goats. We are sheep. We make decisions. We take actions. We gather to worship. We gather to learn and be inspired. We are goats. We are sheep. We make decisions and take actions. Let us worship and serve. Amen.
Hello, young friends. How are we today? Good, everybody good? Glad you're down here. We normally come down here. So I have something special for you today. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when we talked about Cuba? I showed you the map. It was an island. I told you it was really close to Florida. Do you remember that? Sort of. You slept since then? That's okay. Well, today we're going to keep talking about Cuba, and I'm actually, I've got uh, Mr. Craig with me. Does everybody know Mr. Craig? Can everybody say hi, Mr. Craig? So, Mr. Craig is one of our founding members, and a founding member means that he helped make this church come into being. He helped establish the church. So he's been here as long as our church has been here, and he has also been to Cuba how many times? 30, probably. 30 times. He helped start our friendship with the people in Cuba. So I'm going to ask him some questions, and he's going to tell us about his thoughts and experiences in Cuba, okay? So, Mr. Craig, when did you first go to Cuba and what was that first trip like? Okay, this was 1994, so 29 years ago uh, that we went to Cuba, several of us from here at Northminster, searching for a partner church there. And uh, this was part of uh, the Alliance of Baptists, which is the national group that our church uh, is affiliated with or is partnered with, was encouraging churches to partner with churches in Cuba. So we went looking for a partner church, and it was really, really hot in June of 1994, <laughs> and they don't have much air conditioning in Cuba. And if you remember from week before last, Cuba is south of Florida, so it's really kind of hot there and humid. But we did meet some wonderful people, and uh, we decided to, uh, to partner with them, and they with us. What do you think is the biggest difference between Cuba and America? Wow, there are just lots and lots and lots of differences. Some uh, good, maybe some people might think bad, but I thought I'd mention two two uh, good differences. One, they have what we call universal health care. That is that health care is free for everyone in Cuba. And secondly, they have free education for grades kindergarten through college, uh, which uh, is, we of course have that for kindergarten through through uh, 12th grade here, but not, not through college. So the two yeah. positive differences. Definitely not through college. Tell us your favorite Cuba memory. I know you have lots, but is there a favorite? Yeah, lots, lots, and lots of wonderful, wonderful memories. But I, I thought I'd mention one because I know some of you were baptized in the bayou, remember, last October. And so one of my favorite memories is when we went with our partner church to a baptismal service uh, pretty far out of town. And uh, most of the people there... Uh, don't have cars, they walk or, or ride their bicycles to church, but fortunately they have a church bus that an organization in the United States called Pastors for Peace gave to them. So most of the people loaded up on the bus and a few others in, in cars that they had, and we went way out of town to this beautiful river, and there were also coffee trees planted along the river because they have some coffee plants in Cuba. So we sat under those coffee trees and had worship and had this beautiful baptismal service. That's wonderful. Did it smell like coffee? Uh, no. Oh, I, I okay. think, <laughs> <laughs> no, they have to roast the coffee. Oh, they have to roast them. That's right. That's right. 
why do you think the friendship between our church and the church in Cuba is so important? Well, you know, we've always said that this is a mutual friendship. And I know mutual is a word that maybe we don't all know, but that we all uh, are important and, uh, and want to, to be together. So uh, it, it's really ha has become such a warm, loving relationship. And for me personally, uh, I've developed some very close personal friendships mm -hmm with some very amazing and wonderful people in Cuba. So for me, it's been a, been really a, a, a wonderful experience. Yeah, it's like extended family. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, so that's just a couple of questions. You guys might have a lot more for Mr. Craig. And if they have those, can they come ask you after church? Would sure, that be okay? Sure, sure. After so, church. After church, if you have more questions, you're welcome to come ask Mr. Craig. But what I want you to think about is there's a whole group of people in Cuba who love you and are, who are thinking about you and who are ready to be friends with you. And maybe when you get a little bit older, when you get a little bit older, maybe you can go to Cuba too. No, kids can't really go, gotta be older. But it might be something that if you're interested, you can be the next generation of people who keeps our friendship going. Now, here's what I want you to do. You can ask me after worship, okay? All right, everybody turn around. You're gonna face the adults. You're going to sit up nice and straight and tall. Keep your hands to yourself, please. All righty. Now, I'll say the first line. You say it back to me nice and loud. Adults, you are welcome to join in. Ready? I see the face of God in you. I see the face of God in you. The love of Christ comes shining through. The love of Christ comes shining through. And I am blessed to be with you. O holy child of God. Amen. Thank you, Mr. Craig. You can go back to your seats now, kids.
reading from Psalms, chapter 118. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for God is good, and give steadfast love that endures forever. A word from the psalmist for us today. Thanks be to God. I apologize if some of you were cold. I got to control the thermostat this morning, uh, and I tend to freeze people out. So it's been turned up, so you should warm up. Now let us pray together. You have said, Lord, that your followers would always be in community with those the world despises and overlooks. You have said, Lord, that we can see your face in the faces of those around us. You have said, Lord, that to follow you is to leave behind our status and the status quo and to instead take up the cross. But we confess this morning that we hear you, but sometimes wish we didn't. We are trying our best, O oh God, or at least we want to claim that we are. We help those in need when we have extra, extra to spare. We serve when we have time. We look only when we can't face one more problem. And we tend to withhold generosity when we think it'll be misused. We confess, too, that sometimes we want our faith in you to be enough without needing to bring our way of life into it, without changing. So forgive us, God, for your way asks much of us, and we haven't quite managed it yet. Forgive us when we judge rather than love, when we take it upon ourselves to sort people into us and them, when we turn our eyes away from even one of your beloved children. Forgive us and change our habits so that our first instinct aligns with your love for all. Amen. Thank you. 
reading from the gospel according to Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by God, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, You who are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty? or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you. Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. My friends, the gospel of our Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. together. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, and may we hear a word from you today. Amen. Of all the topics I envisioned myself researching for a sermon, ratios of animal flocks and animal husbandry practices in the ancient Middle East didn't quite make the list. That seems silly now in light of the hours, the hours I spent this week trying to figure out what Jesus has against goats. (laughs) Commentary after commentary failed me. A pastor friend of mine who is obviously preaching the same text this week, she took to Facebook to ask, someone explain to me what Jesus had against goats. Goats are delightful, sheep are dumb. And then she included the hashtag, goats are better than sheep. 
Disappointingly, her post only elicited other people's love of goats and a few comments about whether a sheep or a goat is tastier. Yeah, got a little dark. And this is despite both of us having friend lists that are full of seminary-educated people and several seminary professors. It seems there are more important questions for scholars to answer about Jesus than the root of his dislike for goats. But nothing daunted and spurned on by a desire to understand this farm animal discrimination, I kept searching. Eventually, I found an article entitled, What Did Jesus Have Against Goats? <laughs> and I knew I had hit gold. The article references Dr. Richard Good, a professor at Newman University in Birmingham, England, who presented an entire paper at the British New Testament Conference about Jesus and goats. As the author of the article said, it was a great presentation, a model of clarity, and with lots of slides of goats. And who couldn't resist a paper exploring Jesus' apparent antipathy toward the animal? Dr. Good began his presentation by emphasizing the importance of mixed species herds in the Near East. Further west in the Mediterranean, the land was better able to support single species herds. But in the scrubbier land Jesus and his followers inhabited, herds with sheep and goats were essential. There was an economic rationale to mixed herding, in that a herd of two to three goats to sheep ensured satisfactory wool production while maintaining herd security. Archaeological data suggests that the goat-sheep ratio within ancient Israel could be as high as eight goats to two sheep, although more typically it would be a one-to-one -one ratio or even one-to-three, one goat to three sheep. As this information uh, only seems to emphasize the importance of goats, in Jesus' culture, the next necessary step is to look at the context of the passage. Now, this is where animal husbandry comes into play, as goats reproduce faster than sheep. So if a shepherd wants to keep a flock properly balanced, it is necessary to exclude some male kids from the herd so that the sheep aren't outnumbered and the shepherd's overall milk supply isn't limited. This is emphasized in this morning's reading by the use of the Greek word eropos for goat, as that version of the word is the male term for a baby goat. They're talking about male baby goats there. So Jesus' reference is separation, to the separation, separation between the sheep and the goats, is drawing on a rather well-known and regular occurrence in herding. The culling of the young male goats is something the shepherd would naturally do as part of their work. So this was a comparison that made total sense to the people listening to Jesus. Or to put it another way, what's important is not the types of animals Jesus mentions, but that they are separated. As commentator Sharon Blessard notes, modern sports fans might make a better connection with the division of the Ravens and the Steelers whereas Broadway aficionados might relate more readily to the separation of the sharks and the jets. Right, West Side Story? <coughs> the point is this. Use any two common images that work for you, but remember the focus is on Jesus. After all, both groups have failed to notice him. Did you catch that? 
Both the sheep and the goats respond to Jesus with shock. Neither group denies that they've missed seeing him. They both say, when did we see you? And go on from there. But both are surprised by their failure to recognize the Son of Man. Or more to the point, they are surprised by where the Son of Man hangs out. Now to be fair, this passage begins with kingly, powerful language. The Son of Man is described as coming in glory to sit on his throne where he will be attended by angels. That imagery alone reinforces the notion of God in terms of power and might and glory and all the rest. But the rest of these verses should give those powerful, mighty images pause as Jesus intertwines himself with the least of these and thereby undermines our tendency to look for God in places of power. I'm going to say that again. It's important. The rest of the verses in this passage should give those powerful, mighty images pause as Jesus intertwines himself with the least of these and thereby undermines our tendency to look for God in places of power. As commentator David Luce notes, in identifying himself with the least of these, Jesus calls into question where we typically look for God and actually reorients us. For if Jesus is always with those and for those who are in the greatest need, that means if we want to experience God's presence fully, deeply, and truly, we will look to God in the needs of those around us, and indeed, in our need as well. Never forget, the God that we know through Jesus is a God of surprises. A God who shows up where we least expect, who didn't approach earthly power by reigning in Rome, but was born lonely and vulnerable in Bethlehem, a significant, insignificant backwater in a mighty republic. This is a God who, in Jesus, sought out the outcast, even when he had the opportunity to rub elbows with the well-to-do and powerful, who embraced and recognized the prophetic power of women, and who welcomed children. This is a God who, again, as David Luce says so well, continues to come where we least expect God to be, in the plight of the homeless, on the side of the poor, in the face of the needy, and in the company of the imprisoned. And we are invited to meet this God of surprises, not in some distant eternal life, but here and now, in the concrete and real need of our neighbors, just as they are invited to meet and be blessed by God as they tend to our needs as well. <clears throat> Agnes Day is a comic, comic strip created by a Lutheran pastor named Reverend James Westing. And it is, according to the website, the only lectionary-based comic strip on the planet. It features two sheep, their names are Rick and Ted, who discuss one of the assigned readings from the common lectionary each week. And it's the kind of nerdy, cheesy humor that pastors and seminary students find funny. So naturally, I want to share one of uh, Agnes Day's creations based on this passage with you. There are three frames. In the first one, the sheep named Ted is holding a Bible with his front hooves up in the air and is exclaiming, all right, for once I know exactly who I am in the story. 
Rick, the other sheep, is holding a cup of coffee and, and says very calmly, well, actually, some scholars suggest that Christians are the least of these brothers of mine. So you'd be the face to Jesus for the whole world. Ted, the other sheep, who we, I must admit is not very bright, scratches his head, thinks for a minute, and then in the final frame says, nah, I'm just a sheep. Despite the temptation in this story to see sheep as good and goats as bad, that was not the point of Jesus' words. Yes, the sheep are su seemingly superior in their care for other people, but neither group recognizes Christ as the least of these. Neither group sees the face of Christ in the people they're serving and who serve them. And while it's true that helping others is always a good thing, and we should do it without stipulation, we miss the relational, tangible, barrier-breaking reality of our God if we don't take the time to see God in the face of our neighbor, to meet God in the acts of mercy we offer and are offered to us, and if we don't live in the blessing of God as we seek to serve Christ as we are served. My friends, the good news this morning is that God is with us here and now, revealed in the fellowship of broken people we call church. God is made manifest in the ordinary elements of breaking of bread and juice and available to us in the seemingly small gestures of mercy we offer and are offered every day. It may not be where we expect God to show up, but it is just where God needs to be. So come, sheep and goats alike. Your species does not matter as long as mercy is offered, generosity is extended, help is accepted, and the surprising God we serve is recognizable in us, and we recognize God in all those we encounter.
wilderness. The season for us to grasp, to understand the divine just a little bit more. This is the time for us to reach inward and find the self that God sees. This is the chance for us to gaze outward, caring for Christ in our midst. Linton roads are long and yet full of gifts. Linton paths often seem chilly, yet warm us with the winds of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is the light that leads us through the hushed nights. Christ is our companion on the journey in the intense sunlight of day. We remember Jesus' time in the wilderness, the struggle, the hunger, the eventual peace. May the Spirit who traveled with Christ in the wilderness fill us with the hope of God surrounded by these elements. May the Spirit speak to us in this season of wilderness, becoming our strength on this journey and filling our lives with love. Friends, if we're honest with ourselves and with God, we are all seeking something. Some of us long for a place to belong. Others are seeking permission to be who God made us to be. Some are hungry for connection, hungry for justice, or hungry for a glimpse of the divine. No matter what it is your soul longs for, there is good news to be found here. So if you came here looking for justice, then rest in the comfort that all will be fed here. If you came looking for beauty, then let your spirit marvel at the beauty of a community coming together. If you came seeking a brush with the divine, then know that God is present at this ordinary meal. This is not my table. This is not Northminster's table. This is God's table. We are the guests. God is the host. There is a seat here with your name on it. So kick off your walking shoes. Let your weary heart stop the search. We are standing on holy ground. All are wanted and all are welcomed here. Christ calls each of us with our doubts, our shortcomings, our failures and griefs to this table where we're not just tolerated, but overwhelmingly welcomed and wanted. Thanks be to God for a love like that. Now, if you would, please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is now. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Because of his relentless pursuit of love, Jesus was seized by those in power. On the night he would be arrested, he gathered with his companions for a meal and gave us a pledge of love that does not go away with death. After the meal was over, Jesus took bread, he gave thanks for it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body surrendered for you.
the same way, when supper was over, Jesus took a cup, he filled it with wine. He gave thanks for it and shared it with the disciples, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the seal of the new covenant, my poured out life. I will drink this cup with you again at the table of God's joy in the new day that is coming. And whenever you do these things, remember me.
we've changed the service just to care, and I think we managed to confuse everybody last week. Let me explain. In just a moment, I will offer the benediction. The choir will process. As soon as they have processed out, you are free to go. Unless you would like to stay and listen to the music, then please feel welcome to do so. I apologize for the confusion last week. Now hear this benediction. Whatever wilderness the Spirit has brought you to, walk in boldness as a beloved child of God. Walk in peace under the shelter of the eternal. Walk in faith, knowing Christ walks with you, and go be salty. Amen.